come back uh for the retirement of sean payton started off with that easy track by uh kanye west in, in the game because you know our life is never easy as saints fans but you know rest assured we're gonna pull through this one too just like we pulled through all the rest of them you know the 2018 season i didn't think it'd get any lower and then we get you know drew Brees retire and sean payton retire back-to-back seasons and we are officially starting from scratch left us high and dry very unexpectedly it was no news outside of maybe a couple of articles came out two days ago and then bam today he's retired um so let's start off the pod but first of all how you been bro what you, what you been up to i've been working bro you know they, they don't pay us enough to do this podcast and stuff i've been working on my day job you know what i'm saying I, and i you know i do have some parallels some some parallels i, I watched the entirety of the sean payton uh retirement interview and i find some parallels between my work and and, and the things that sean payton was saying you know he, he was doing a lot of talking about the late nights the 2 a.m mornings and he said you know people tell you look sean nobody's telling you to stay up that late you can have balance and he said that this is how i do the job this is the only way i know how to do the job and so you do potentially burn out when you do the job in that way and i think about i'm a trial attorney by trade and I love prosecuting or, or just trying cases in general, right? Just getting in the courtroom and doing what you got to do in the courtroom and, and getting in the courtroom requires a lot of preparation. And, you know, if you think about it like a sporting event, you're going to have some late nights where you are asking yourself why you're doing this, but the, you know, you're, you're trying to achieve justice. You're trying to get in there right there the next day and get the right result. And you can experience some burnout. Right. You do think like, well, how much longer do I have this in me? How much more of this, you know, do I want? How long, much longer can I sustain this? But with all that being said, I don't like the way Sean Payton went out. I'm going to just put that out there. And I don't like that the city of New Orleans is running around, want to throw this man parades. And they're talking about a monumental, historic 15 year run. We got one Super Bowl appearance, one Super Bowl appearance in 15 years. I mean, I can name a whole host of other franchises from the Eagles to the Ravens and all these other teams who came in there are one and done. And, and I don't know that Doug Peterson and, you know, Harbaugh like are, are necessarily celebrated in their respective cities as being like the greatest coach in their franchise history. I get what our bad history was and that we're a newer franchise, but I think we got to pump the brakes a little bit when we just go ahead and crown Breeze and Peyton, give them the key to the city and say, you know, they deserve the right to leave in the middle of contracts, leave us in salary cap hell with no quarterback and no offense. And we're still supposed to be, you know, making them the Kings of Mardi Gras. So just to clarify, when you was comparing the parallels of your job in Sean Payton, <laughs> was that working a job or working the streets in late nights? <laughs> it was working the job late nights. It is... You know, sometimes you, you're in trial, 
you're, you're going to sleep at 2 a.m. You're back at work going to the courthouse at 6, 6.30. And you're thinking, you know, how much longer can I sustain this? How much longer can I do this? How much longer do I want to do this? And it's something that brings you joy. But the other side of it is it's taxing, right? And um, personally, I just kind of feel like there wasn't as much joy in it for him without doing it with Drew Brees. And, you know, as a fan, that kind of sucks because it kind of feels like we kind of felt like Breeze maybe overstayed his welcome. And it kind of makes me feel like the two of them were just kind of having fun for like the back five or six years when Breeze was probably past his prime and maybe another quarterback with all that talent around him could have led the team to a Super Bowl. So you alluded to it, right? We got 16 seasons of Sean Payton, 15 with Drew Breeze, one Super Bowl, uh, one Super Bowl appearance, three NFC championship appearances. <clears throat> in your opinion, was that run, that Sean Payton Breeze run, a success? Do you feel like it was a success? I'd call it a success. I think when you look at the winning percentage over that period, I think we were at like 67%. I think that puts us in like the top four franchises in the NFL over that period. So I'll call it a success. What I'm not ready to do is I think the time speaker, well, NOLA.com, I think is calling it a monumental run, right? And I think that's where you get into a little bit of what is the Saints history? What's the organizational history? And then basically saying, because it's better than anything we had in our history, that makes it monumental. In the, the you know, larger picture of football, I don't think this would be considered a monumental run by a coach and quarterback combination. The winning percentage is great, but the trophies ain't necessarily there. I mean, Big Ben and uh, Tomlin have similar win percentages over that time. The difference, Big Ben, you know, got that first one with Cowher and then got another one with um, with with Tomlin. I'm, I just think that it was a great quarterback-coach combination, but I don't think that this is what you would consider. We definitely weren't a dynasty. And I think monumental run is a stretch right. as well. I think you gotta yeah, at I least think, get I think, to, I think you gotta at least get to. I mean, we're already we're already looking at Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid potentially going to their third Super Bowl together next week. All right. I mean, that's it in, in like a four-year span, right? Like that's when you really start celebrated right a coach and quarterback combination yeah, i mean i, I wouldn't it definitely definitely a success right like they made the playoffs nine out of 16 seasons they won the nfc south i think at least seven or eight times but one super bowl we always talk about it right like trent dilfer has one super bowl uh brad johnson has one super bowl joe flacco has one super bowl a lot of people have won Super Bowl, but for me, to your point, I think the biggest disappointment in the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era was only one Super Bowl appearance. Right. Winning it, Super Bowl is hard, but you got to get at least to more than one. You got to at least get to two in a 16-year period. Payton went to three, one, two, Payton Manning. Uh, Eli went to two, one, two. Uh, especially with all the talk around Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to talk about this a little later, but Aaron Rodgers has... If he wins the MVP this year, he'll have four MVPs. He has three now with one Super Bowl appearance. And now one, one Super Bowl win in appearance. So now people are starting to talk about um, 
it's his career, you know, not lived up to the billing of, of what people expect based on the level of talent. So I think you can't say it's, it's it, it lacks the, the run was a wasn't a success, but I can think I think you can say that um, it could have been more. It should have been more based on the talent we had. And and hands down, we got robbed, right? So we keep saying only yes. one Super Bowl appearance. We know that it should have been two. Everybody in the whole NFL knows. I think ESPN NFL.com, one of them on the Instagram page, like this moment four years ago, this thing happened that forever will be remembered in NFL history. Like that's all they give us now is that like, oh, that's that team that got robbed out of a Super Bowl because of a poor call. Um so listening to his speech, I feel like that impacted the burnout, right? Because I feel like when you talk about how he seemed to to recall his time here, he talked about the two great draft classes. He made a point to talk about the 06 class and the 2017 class. And in the 2006 class, you know, he referenced not just the players drafted, but, you know, the, the free agent signings. And he also referenced the fact that he had good buy-in for the players who were already on the team. But he mentioned Hollis Thomas and Jeff Fain as, as big signings, Scott Fajita, Scott Shanley, um, Drew Brees, obviously, all free agent signings that he had that year. And then he's like, but you got to hit on the draft. And he's like, you know, we hit on Reggie Bush, 10-year career. Marcus Colston was a seventh-round conditional pick. I didn't think he gave Marcus Colston enough credit, by the way, but I kind of think that he feels like he makes receivers. I think he thinks that Breeze helped make him, but I think he definitely feels like he makes receivers because they were not a big part of his speech. Um, he gave a lot more credit, sounded like to me, to offensive linemen, to Drew Breeze, um, but wide receivers didn't get huge shout-outs. Um, but to that end, that class had John Stinchcomb, who he gave a huge shout-out to, Jari Evans, who he gave a huge shout-out to. Um, and I'm sorry, John Stinchcomb was already on the roster. Zach Streif was the pick, the seventh round pick. He said, I guess, had like a 14 year career is now on the coaching staff. Um, Jari Evans, obviously, you know, a potential Hall of Fame career. Um, and then the 2014, obviously, Marcus Williams, Alvin Kamara, um, a whole host of others who, you know, are escaping my mind at the moment. But his point was that. Each run was spurred by the draft class. So your 09 Super Bowl was spurred by the 06. And I think in his mind, in 2017, he was supposed to get a Super Bowl out of that with Breeze on the back end of his career. And he didn't. He didn't. And I feel like in his mind, those were his two runs with this organization. And mentally, I think he's not up for the task of trying to recreate um, with this current situation. And I think that's what offends me a little bit because everything about this current situation was his doing right he created yeah. this situation put all the chips in to go in try to get another one with breeze and that's where i feel like when you talk to me about the nature of your relationship it went beyond maybe what it should have because when he when things were crumbling you never tried to even get somebody to compete with him and then he missed multiple games in both seasons and you still didn't go try to get somebody to compete with him and then your answer was to get a, a a guy on the other side of 30 who's basically playing a running back and lock us into a salary cap, you know, killing deal with him while you're still paying 11 million, 11.5 million in dead tax uh, money to, to breeze. And so I just don't like the fact that you leave in a situation where in cap hell, it's going to be hard for us to have any success going forward. Not to say any, but realistic 
Super Bowl potential success. And it it hurts our chances with free agents. It hurts our chances with another coaching uh, candidate. And then you just kind of walk away and you could come back in a year. It, I, I hate to draw this comparison, but it kind of reminded me of Urban Meyer. The difference is Urban Meyer has done this to like three or four places. This would be Sean Payton doing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. But the Taysom Hill contract was awful. And I feel like it was the icing on the cake for our cap, our poor cap situation. And for him to walk away, having created that scenario, it just, it, it kind of stinks a little bit to me. And it, it, to me, you know, as much as I like Sean Payton, it will affect the way I view his legacy and his time here. Definitely. I, I was going to say, a lot of people are going to say, you know, he gave us 16 great years. He took us to Super Bowl. Uh, multiple NFC South championships, multiple playoff runs. But this is what leaves a sour taste in my mouth. One is that for years, uh, both of us, other people we know, thought that Peyton was as much a part of Breeze's success as anybody. More so that Peyton made Breeze, because Breeze was a um, you know marginal quarterback, uh, above average quarterback prior to coming to the Saints. Then he came to the Saints when nobody else wanted him. And under Peyton's offense and guidance, he became a Hall of Famer, first round back, Hall of Famer, and Super Bowl champion. So we 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 attributed a lot of Brees success to Peyton, and we were excited as Saints fans about what Peyton could do post Brees and show that you know his offense could groom another winner with a different person at the helm. Uh, and so we were super excited about that. So I was disappointed that he's walked out after one year. Um, brought Jameis in, supposedly groomed Jameis, and, and then quit on Jameis after Jameis got hurt uh, seven games to the season. The other thing is, as an offensive-minded head coach, you leaving the cupboard very bare. And I, for a guy who coached him That's for understatement seasons, of the year. Yeah, and, and, and like, you know, brought us the level of success we had never experienced in New Orleans. To leave the team in shambles as it is, solid Offensively. Right. Right, offensively, right, because defensively we're solid. Offensively, mm-hmm. we have one quarterback, as you mentioned, Taysom Hill. Uh, Jameis is a free agent. It'll be hard to track another quarterback given the skilled players we have and, and given the fact that Sean Payton is no longer with us. Uh, you have no number two wide receiver. Your number one wide receiver hasn't played in a year and a half. And, and played well in two years. Two. Right. Your, your number yeah, one tight end is an absolute draft bust in Troutman. Your left tackle, Teron Armstead, his contract is up. He's often hurt. Your your Pro the Bowl supposed guard all. is Andrews Pete. He's consistently hurt and consistently getting you right. know blown by. We drafted Caesar Ruiz, Ruiz. who yeah. I thought was supposed to be a center. I thought we might move McCoy to guard, but instead we put Ruiz at guard, and he's been you know a disappointment to say the least. And so if you let Armstead walk it comes into a situation where like you potentially are locked into a bad contract with a guard who's not uh, been playing up to par, a rookie guard who, or a, a guard on a rookie deal who's not playing up to par. So you basically, when you look at the line, you're really looking at McCoy and Ramchek. Um, and, and now you have a whole season last year. Right. And now you're looking at a hole to address at left tackle. Um, you still don't have a true second wide receiver. If I understand, if, I'm, if I, my recollection serves me right, um, uh, Callaway will go into the season as the number two because I feel like the rookie deal on Traquan Smith may be up. Um, and let's face it, Traquan's been a disappointment since he's been. Yeah, he's not a guy you're going to resign. He's been average. Right. Right. 
right? You know, so <clears throat> so all in all, I mean, yeah, Traquan Smith, his, I, I yeah, this is the last year of his 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 four year rookie deal. So, um, so yeah, you're coming into the season with you know with Harris, Callaway, and and, and hopefully Mike Thomas is back. So it's uh, you know I, I think that has to factor in his legacy. So you know as successful a run as it was to leave us where we at today. Um, he, he's leaving us, you know, with not a lot of hope in the next two to four years of, of making significant or serious playoff run, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, but, you know, uh, I, I think it's, it's just, it's really easy to look back at the past and be thankful for the memories of the playoff runs. But I think, you know, what we always strive to do on this podcast is just dig a little bit deeper and, you know, not afraid to talk Frank, not be afraid to talk Frank about like, you know, let's talk about where we actually are. Like we've been critical over the last couple of years and the whole thing that they always try to sell you on is we have a plan. So when you are questioned consistently for the plan that you say that you have, and then the plan doesn't work out. And then you walk out the back door of what, you know, looks like a, a smoldering building where a fire might soon be about to start. Like at that point now, I'm just supposed to celebrate you because how can you, how can you, you know, throw rocks at a guy who's he's retiring and he won a Super Bowl. So now it's time to celebrate him. I think it's, I'm not going to say genius, but it's a play, right? It's the play that you have left because you know, they say, you know, you, what do they say, you know, live long enough to, to uh, become a villain, a die a hero. I mean, you stay there too long and at a certain point, people are going to start to, you know, be angry at you. I'll be pissed off if he goes somewhere next year, I'll tell you that much. And I, I mean, I'm not sure when he gave the interview, what he specifically said was, I have no plans for the first time in my life. I have no plans. And, you know, he's like, he basically said the ability to do this job at a high level made me the money that I made to where I could just walk away from the next three years of this contract and not even have to worry about money. Right now, mind you, if a player said that, I feel like people would talk shit about him, but it's different. He's a coach. So he says that he says, you know, I do kind of want to get into TV. I have no experience doing it and I haven't talked to anyone about it. So, you know, I guess my agent will see. Um, don't totally believe that because you already told me you talked to Drew Brees and he's on TV. So I'm kind of like, yeah, right. Like you, you put some feelers out there and I bet you the feelers you put out there is how the story got leaked that you were going to be retiring anyway. And I'm sure some numbers were thrown at you because the numbers have been leaked on the internet. Yeah, 15 to 16 million. Yeah, the report is uh, Troy Aikman is leaving Fox for Amazon Mm -hmm. and there's going to be a slot opening with Fox. Yeah, so we're not crazy. I mean, and then you do what Urban Meyer did. You sit back and you wait and you pick your spot in two years or so. Urban Meyer just happened to overdo it. And he also left in like really bad controversial situations. But I think he's created a clear playbook for for how to handle these situations. I mean, um, you know, it, 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 I'm, I expect to see him coaching again. He's 58 years old. Like for for, for frame of reference, like Pete Carroll, um, Nick Saban. These are like guys on the other side of 70. So um, I, I, I expect to see Sean Payton on the sideline again. And unfortunately, I don't think there's any way that's on the same sideline. So, um, you know, it's like a breakup. It's over. <laughs> Just gotta get used to it. 
somebody else Speaking. is coming in. You gotta fall Speaking in love. You gotta fall breakups. in love with them. While while Peyton don't get a lot of praise, let's talk about a dude who had a, who had a bad breakup a couple weeks ago. Um, <laughs> Antonio Brown left the field in MetLife Stadium. That um, breakup was the equivalent to being out on a date at a big fancy restaurant on Front Street. Miami will go with Prime One Twelve. Let's say it's like you are in the center table at Prime One Twelve, and you and your girlfriend get in an argument. And you storm out of the restaurant for everybody to see, right? That's the equivalent. You sound like you're speaking from experience. <laughs> that has never happened to me, but that's the equivalent, in my opinion. And here would be my comment on somebody engaging in a breakup in that way. It's classless. Sure, you might have got some information at that dinner table that made you want to, you know, leave that girl where she stood. But there's a way to handle every situation, and you don't get loud and have a argument and throw drinks in people's faces and storm out of the restaurant for everybody to see you quietly ask for the check so you exit the restaurant together and you leave that girl standing on the curb order an uber and get in your car and drive home the two of y'all go your separate ways you don't have to see each other the equivalent to me would have been to remain on the sideline and handle it at the press conference you, you don't like take your pads off no, Brandon Marshall, his foolish ass was talking about he would have whispered to the coach, I'm an alpha male. <laughs> you got to see me in the locker room. You got to see me. I would not have challenged the coach to a fight that's equally classless. What if he turned around and then what y'all going to do, start boxing right there on the sideline? Like, that's BS. Also, I don't believe that Brandon Marshall, the player, when he was in the league, would have done something like that. He probably would have just gotten in the shouting match with the coach. That, that was his MO. Um, but, yeah, I think that I think he handled it all wrong. Mind you, I have opinions that I'll save till we get to this part of the conversation about the information that came out after um, and what was actually going on. I still think he handled the on the field portion wrong. But what if I told you you were at Prime 112, the girl threw a drink in your face, slapped you, and told you she never wanted to be with you anyways? That's <laughs> well, that's, that's not the equivalent. That's not the equivalent. She did all of that, then she would have created the scenario that created all the attention, which is not what happened in the AB situation. The cameras didn't know what was going on until he drew the attention to the situation when he took the pads off. When they told him, you're cut if you don't go back in the game, he, didn't, he could have just not gone back into the game and addressed it after, right? He had to know that when he took his pads off and ran into the locker room and started throwing shit into the crowd, that there was a substantial chance that he was never going to play football again. Not in the NFL. That man was hurt, bro. And let's, like, you know, if, if, if we can take a moment and go back. He shitted on Mike Tomlin, recording him in the locker room and caught something that the man said. No apology, none of that. And he shows up at these games in a fur coat, missing practices, all kind of foolishness. Talks trash about Ben Roethlisberger. Talks trash about Juju Smith-Schuster. Goes to New England talks trash about Bob Kraft. Everything falls apart there. Goes to Oakland. You remember that podcast because we were podcasting by then. Talks trash about Mike Mayock, John Gruden. Everybody in Oakland's bad. Arrives in Tampa Bay. Now he's talking trash about Tom Brady, the, you know, Bruce Arians. Literally, he is the definition of toxic. 
everybody he comes into contact with is always their fault and there's always a fallout and a big breakup and we're not even getting to all the stuff in his personal life with the people suing him the the delivery truck driver who who he supposedly like didn't pay for delivering his clothes uh his his furniture to the house the, the vaccination card the fake vaccination card the baby mama that he supposedly got into it with and said all of that uh bad stuff about um on social media i mean the list goes on and on and on and now he's saying he wants to go play in baltimore stay far away from lamar jackson and your cousin hollywood brown stay far far away you destroy everything you touch and now there's uh rumors coming out which he's confirming that the buccaneers offered to pay him an additional two hundred thousand dollars to get mental health counseling and he said no i mean you know how bad it's got to be There's, you know like forget all these bonuses forget all these bonuses We'll pay your ass to go get evaluated. And he still wouldn't do it. Just That's a damn shame. Damn shame. So, look, we'll end that on this. Does uh, <clears throat> Antonio Brown play in the NFL again? I'm going to go with no. I, I don't, <laughs> you know, the type of team that would have needed to touch him would have been somebody like the Saints, somebody in Capel. But the reality is we brought him in. <laughs> we were in in staring a Super Bowl run in the face and did not make the move, right? Tells you how bad things um, are from that perspective. I just don't see anybody else. Um, I do have to give Sean Payton credit. For not making that move. Yeah. And, and then, and just paying credit because we talked about him because we needed a receiver. Yeah, I mean, uh, Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown still are just kind of hovering around the NFL. I thought at some point we would have taken a shot on both of them, um, and, and we never did. But um, just to one thing that we have left out is so they tell him if you don't go back into the game, we're cutting you. What he's saying is that he had previous conversations with Bruce Aaron about his ankle injury, saying that, you know, he couldn't go. Bruce said, just show up. We'll see what can happen. He showed the text messages on social media and essentially thought he thought he was good when he told him, look, like I told you, my ankles flared up. I can't go. Um, and to his point, he's saying I had all these incentives I was about to reach. Why would I not go in the game and cost myself potentially a million dollars unless it was that bad? They should have just understood. I totally get that part. And I do think that's messed up for them to kind of try to get ahead of the story by running into the locker room saying he's no longer a member of this team and not divulging any of the background, which is this revolved around an injury that they were trying to force him to play through um, because their doctors were clearing him and he said he still was in pain. I think it was phony and, you know, you know, it's kind of one of those ball don't lie moments for them to lose the way they did to the Rams because I thought the way they tried to play the situation, I think you just be honest in that situation. Look, the player didn't want to go back into the game. We thought that he was healthy to play, but they would never say that because that reveals an ugly side of the NFL, which is that they force try to basically force players to play through injury all the time. Um, I just don't think you can take that aggressive stance in the media knowing that there's this other information out there. And then to try to play the media against him and release all this other stuff about how he snuck a girl into the hotel room and do all this other stuff that you he's been cutting up like that and you knew it and you were okay with it because you needed that second receiver, especially after Godwin went down. And the minute he wouldn't do what you wanted him to do and play through injury, now all of a sudden you want to expose this stuff. I thought that was really phony. Um, Bruce Aaron's supposed to be a player's coach, but I think no franchise is above those type of games when winning and losing is on the line, especially a Super Bowl. 
they sold they sold when they allowed him to come back post vaccination uh, suspension. They told him any misstep and he was gone. And Godwin got hurt against the Saints. I think he tore his ACL, and they dropped they dropped the the, the the you know they dropped what they said they were gonna do because they needed a wide receiver. And I think it came back to kick him in the ass. Right, like you said, the, the kind of. You know, you made a deal with the devil and you got one <laughs> yeah. ring from it and you lost another ring from it. So exactly. Exactly. Let's let's go a little bit to basketball. We're gonna get back to football on the end, but let's go to basketball. But for just for one second, I'll say I will say this. I say you made a deal with the devil and got one and lost one. I think that Brady no more Super Bowls for him. That's personally my opinion. I think he may hang it up in the next few oh, weeks. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to okay. that. Okay. Save that right, so we're gonna get to NBA. So with the NBA, uh, two things. Lakers. So we'll start with the Lakers, right? We discussed this on the podcast. Schroeder and Russell Westbrook, like Schroeder is just a poor man's Russell Westbrook. So you had Schroeder right. with these additional pieces like Caruso and KCP and um Montrez Harrell. And then you got rid of all of those guys and replaced them with one guy who's just a better version of the guy who you basically were like can't play point guard and was hurting the franchise essentially. So now you lost length, defense, shooting, replaced it with a guy who can't shoot, is playing lazy on defense because he's an over the third over thirty superstar. And I, for the life of me, didn't see how that would ever work. But what I did think was that LeBron James looked over at Brooklyn and said, "It's pointless to stay with all these role players when I'm going to have to go against a big three if I make it to the finals in Brooklyn with Kyrie." Um, Harden and KD, and not just any big three, but arguably the best three big three of all time, scoring wise, anyway. Like, you that's the best, you know, three scores ever put together on one team. The foolish part of it was that LeBron didn't account for Kyrie's stupidity that he wouldn't get the vaccine and he messed this whole thing up. And now there's rumors about James Harden is going to leave Brooklyn. Like, he didn't account for the fact that those two of those three guys are definitively head cases. And now you've like, made your own sort of deal with the devil where you bring in this guy who is you know, Russell Westbrook out there shooting five for 15 every damn night. I mean, just bricks off the side of the backboard and he's a great athlete, but he refuses to play good defense. And then you got Melo out there who couldn't play defense if he wanted to. And it's just a tragedy watching them play. I actually tried to go see the Lakers game the other night. It sold out. Against the Heat. So I watched it on TV and I mean, they got run out of the gym. They're an embarrassingly bad basketball team. Um, they'll be better when AD yes. comes back. Yes. But the reports are they can't move Russell Westbrook if they want it. So there's no trade deadline savior coming this year. You got a deal that you can't move. Now they're talking about fire and vote. Well, that man just won a championship. So how are you going to blame him now? And I think this is one of those moves that LeBron has to eat. I firmly believe he wanted either Dame Lillard or Russell Westbrook because he thought that was the only way he could compete with the big three in Brooklyn. Lillard said no, which is probably a mistake on his part. Um, cause ain't nothing going on in Portland and he's going to need to get out of there sooner or later. Um, and yep. Russ said yes, but of course Russ said yes. Cause he needed them. Like they needed him. He they wanted a third piece to a big three and he's right. been of the common denominator in multiple failing, you know, situations from Oklahoma city to Houston. Um, to the, he was just in, in, in Washington. So. Westbrook ain't been part of a big three in at least three years. This dude is going on his 14 and four years. Brian Westbrook did not give you a big three in name only, but definitely not in talent uh, uh, and definitely not in like 
matching what you need. Lakers need shooting. Westbrook's weakness is shooting. Like I, we knew from the get go, this was a failure. Right. Um, it's not gonna work. Like you said, can't get rid of him. So now the conversation is, not only do the Lakers not have a shot to win it this year, but will LeBron ever win another ring? Right. Because I and that's what I just didn't understand. You've locked yourself into this deal over the long haul now, and how do you get rid of this dude? Like, especially when a lot of other teams championships. That's all. Right. A lot of other people have been able to find ways to package and move him, but he was being moved from rebuilding franchise to rebuilding franchise. So they were willing to take a bunch of pieces. You're in win now mode, so you can't just necessarily move him for draft picks and salary cap space. You don't have any players to fill it with. I always thought um, the move was was the trade uh, with the Sacramento Kings because Buddy Heald would have been a shooter and he wouldn't have cost as much and it would have allowed you to keep guys like Caruso. I mean, you had to move on from Manchester Real anyway. But like if you're doing Kuzma for, for Buddy Heald, maybe that makes a little more sense. Kuzma, by the way, is balling, right? But Kuzma had to get, uh, I felt like, a restart. Um, to, to, yeah. to have that opportunity, but I felt I like he would have been like, a better match. To me, the play was like what the Nets did last year, right? Like you go in with hard, I mean, with uh, KD and Kyrie, and you know, like hard more to force a trade, like find somebody who wants to maybe Dame not, is not having a good year, and in the middle of the year, he's more open to right than to force. I think he had abdominal season. surgery in the middle of the season, right? Like, yeah. And then you, uh, you know, his, his sidekick was hurt early in the season too. So they're, you know, potentially in position to not make the playoffs. Like maybe he comes back right before the trade deadline. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll take a trade to the Lakers. Exactly. My hometown team yeah, and going no, we're going nowhere fast here. I think LeBron forced him. I think I think he panicked instead of just letting it play out naturally. Because at least if you don't get Westbrook at all and it doesn't work out this year, at least you got some cash base and maneuverability to make some things happen. And, uh, right. and, and like the Nets aren't working. Kate, uh, Kyrie won't get the shot, the vaccine. You know, Harden looks disinterested. KD is out. So those three can't ever, you can't ever expect them to stay healthy for a whole season. So you just never know what the Nets. So right. I don't know. I think I like the wrong panic, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, even with the AD thing. move, we knew with the AD move, he was taking <laughs> mm-hmm. the guy who would accept that role. Like there were a lot of stars out there, right. but we knew the weaknesses in. AD as a star and LeBron that's who he has to go with because at his elevating age a lot of these guys are no longer like I don't want to be your sidekick I want to beat you like you're on the downside of your career why am I going to go take a a b-roll to a guy who's 37 years old like you know I'm just gonna try to build something elsewhere I mean and, and so but the beauty of what LeBron is doing is also the downside like there's not really a precedent for a 37-year-old guy averaging 29, 7, and 5 and still being the best player on a championship caliber basketball team. So he's trying to draw people in and play with them like he's 25. You're 37, sir. Like, they're looking at you like, so I'm going to go there for what? Two more years? Now, I think they're a little bit short-sighted because if you are somebody like Dame Lillard, why wouldn't you one of them be in a situation where LeBron retires and it's UNAD in L.A., the city you're from? Right, and then you're just trying to acquire a third piece. To me, it's a play that somebody, yeah, it's a play. It's a play that somebody needs to make. AD saw it as an opportunity. I'll be the man soon. There's got to be a third guy out there who, other than somebody like Westbrook, who's just 
failed so many places, who's going to say I could take that third role? The problem is now they got to figure out a way to get from underneath the Westbrook contract, and that's going to be really hard. Yeah, I don't see how they do it. But uh, what else we got? What else we got in basketball going on? This this Ben Simmons saga really kind of blows my mind. Y'all love to talk about you know all your LSU products in the football field, but y'all not really aim you know owning Ben Simmons and the disaster that he is in basketball. I mean, this may be one of the softest things that I've ever seen. A guy sit out an entire like a guy completely not show up in a playoff series and cost his team a chance at the championship, and then turn around and blame the franchise that he failed. And sit out the entire next season just to show them, like, look what you're missing. And then they're winning. So, so you further look stupid because you're trying to punish them and all their establishments that they don't even need your ass. And, you know, basically, it's just a matter of time. Well, before maybe he's getting the mental health. You, know, you re- we, that we really going to do that? Mental health help that he needs that you claim Antonio Brown refused to get, right? Now you want me to this man for getting the help? I just don't. I, I don't believe it for one second that that this is a mental health issue. This man is gallivanting all on social media with his girlfriend having the time of his life. I think you know this is anger and bitterness about the way he feels he was mistreated. They're two. They're they're the six seed right now, but they're That's only two and a half games. That's masking the problem. <laughs> They're only two and a half games out of first place. I'm going to buy you a mental health book. <laughs> I mean, the only mental health see, he needs to figure out. Knows no bounds. Uh, only mental health help he needs is to figure out how to make a jumper longer than 15 <laughs> feet. Somebody can help him with that. Then. You, you, you should be worried about your FSU alum, Cam Akers, fumbling the damn ball, trying to give away the game. Hey, he's in the he's in the uh, NFC Championship. Famous alum Deion Sanders stealing all y'all recruits. So while 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 we're doing yeah, so that, you have to then also acknowledge that Jalen Ramsey was on the other side of the ball, completely taking uh, getting worked by Mike Evans. Oh worked. please, he he took Mike Evans out of the game. Mike Evans is non fact. In the words of LaShawn McCoy on uh, I am athlete, crazy work. <laughs> He took him out of the game. He was a non-factor. Yeah, except for the 40 <laughs> So, so the reality is, what was happening is he didn't follow him the entirety of the game, and so there were points where he was being covered by I don't remember who number eleven was, um, but when he was lined up on Jalen, he was non-factor. I mean, Tom tried to force feed this man the ball the whole game. It was kind of a uh, well, he didn't handle other receivers, honestly. Sixteen targets is 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 crazy, though. They were all hurt. But should get us off topic, man. We going back to football. Listen, before we go, we gotta cover uh, this Hall of Fame topic right quick. I don't, you know, I don't really like talking baseball, but I think it's I think it's important to cover this before we get back to football. Big Poppy was just announced today that he's uh, uh, David Ortiz was elected into the Hall of Fame. And the reason why this is, is big news is because Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds both did not get elected to the Hall of Fame, which I believe was their last shot this year. Uh, I think they can get in later as like a, some kind of, you know, old pad, you know, they, every year you get like an old time vote or something like mm-hmm. that. So I think this is a way for them to get in, in the future. But this was their last time in like, a, I think, a 10 year period, which 
they didn't get elected. However, mm-hmm. David Ortiz Big Poppy does get elected. For years, we've heard that he was doing steroids. I'm quite sure he did based on his career in Minnesota and then how he became Big Poppy in Boston. I just find it very, uh, very uh, disingenuous of, of Major League Baseball to, to vote this guy in uh, and to have guys who carried your league like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, regardless of the steroid use, because we know just about everybody in baseball for a 15-year period used steroids. Um, what, what's your thoughts on, I, I know that Shahidi rivals in Boston, what's your thoughts on Big Poppy making it in? Yeah, I mean, there's all these uh, big poppy steroid rumors. Um, There was some agreement um, where there was, I guess, some survey testing done at some point because they were trying to figure out how many people were actually using steroids in baseball. And there was an agreement that, like, I guess if at least 5% of all baseball players tested positive, this what they called survey testing would never be made public. It would be all anonymous. And um, they, the rumor is that Big Poppy was included in that group of positive tests. They try to come out later and say that some of those were false positives, but I think that was really more because of the agreement, right? Um, right. To, to keep the players anonymous. And so at the time it was like, oh, this shouldn't keep anybody out of the hall because it was supposed to be anonymous. But I just think it's BS, right? Because he tested positive just like these other people, like this thin line distinction that we're making about, well, his test, his positive test technically didn't count. Therefore, you know, we put him in the hall and, and these guys who have better numbers than him never get to go in. To me, it just makes your hall of fame and all your statistical um you know data that you're using to to base it off of just a joke like i mean we all talked about the steroid right we all talked about the steroid era basically downplaying the significance of baseball because baseball is so numbers driven but it's like you throw it back in our face every time you make decisions like this these inconsistent decisions about who you're holding accountable for the steroid era and who you're not definitely Definitely. I, it's just a disgrace. And I think it just speaks to the, the you know, like inequities in the voting and, and who gets in. Like David Ortiz is part of the media now. He's on, mm-hmm. uh, I believe it's FS1 or Fox Sports baseball coverage. And so it, it just shows you like A-Rod, um, Alex Rodriguez, his image has been changed based on the fact that he, he's joined the media, working with ESPN and Fox. And so it just, it, it speaks to not really having a frame of reference for how the media members vote for who gets into the Hall of Fame. And you be strictly numbers driven, and now it, it seems to be kind of haphazard in how they, how they vote people in. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know. I just don't like Major League Baseball. It's, yeah, to me, it just, it's just something that draws more negative attention to baseball, you know what I mean? It's like it's supposed to be a positive moment, but the nature of how you're doing it um, to me, anyway, draws negative attention because I, I, I mean, I'm a Yankees fan, and so I always thought about you know how so many people on that Yankee roster it changed the way I viewed them, you know, tested positive, but it just seemed that the story of the Red Sox overcoming was such that it was kind of like the Lance Armstrong thing, where we don't want to acknowledge the fact that really the two people at the heart of that comeback story. As much as we like to talk about all these other guys on the team, Kevin Millar and all these guys, the lunch pail type guys, the stars of that team, 
were Manny and Poppy, and they were both juiced. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's what sparked the Red Sox resurgence. Two guys who were hitting bombers because they were juiced, just like the guys they were going against, right? The Yankee-Red Sox rivalry was as much a fueling. The, the Yankee-Red Sox rivalry as it was, was as much fueled by steroids as all of the baseball we watched during that entire era. Yeah, people talk about Barry Bonds head size increase. Go look at David Ortiz in his time in Minnesota and, and transformation. And just look at his, yeah, his numbers. Like this dude all right. of a sudden became an all-star out of nowhere. Like, come on. Right. Borderline pro to the Hall of Fame. Um, now let's get back to, to, to the meat and potatoes of what we want to talk about. Before we get out of here, we got about 15 minutes. I want to talk about this past weekend. Many of many have said that this might have been the greatest weekend in NFL history, or, or even some say sports history, with all four divisional playoff games coming down to the, the first three coming down to a field goal with no time left on the clock. And the fourth one, Kansas City Buffalo, might be you know, one of the greatest football or the greatest football game ever played. Um, ended in overtime with, with Josh Allen not touching the ball. And I think it was 25 points scored in the last minute and 54 seconds of regulation. Um, culminating with Patrick Mahomes with only 13 seconds left and three plays driving driving his team into field goal. Two plays. I was about to say, I thought it was two plays. That was kind of insane. That was kind of insane. They have two receivers, bro. Yeah, but like, it's Travis Kelsey and it's Tyreek Hill. What are you doing lining up in a zone, giving outside leverage and leaving the entire middle of the field open to their best receiver when they have a timeout left, it's like you're, you're playing outside leverage. Okay, but he don't got to run the post corner because they still exactly. have a timeout. Like you could have right. just bracketed this dude with two people. Make Pringle beat me. Number 13, Pringle, right. go to him. I'm not letting Tyreek Hill track sprint up the sideline, and I'm not letting Travis Kelsey run right up the middle of the field 25 yards and just catch the ball and fall down. Like I was looking like, yo, what defense are they in? I, I remember when the Saints lost that game and, and at the end it was fourth down and Garoppolo threw that pass to uh, to George Kittle and he went running up the sideline. I was pissed. Oh, Alex we put, Smith. Alex Smith. We, 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 we can't talk I'm talking about, about the recent game uh, against the 49ers, which kind of cost us, you know, playoff seating. In the Dome. And, yeah, in the Dome. And I'm looking like we all know that his favorite target is George Kittle. And it was fourth and short. And realistically speaking – you know, he got the first down. If if CD Deuce, uh, Chauncey Garner Johnson goes for the tackle, a better tackle, you know, upright, we probably stop him. Um, and he doesn't get that 50 yard thing that turns into a score. But at least I could respect the fact that we went man for man. They backed off of Travis Kelsey and essentially let him run straight down the middle of the field. It was pitch and catch out there. Yes. And both teams were doing the same thing. They were in these zones with these gaping holes with nobody who had any ability to jump routes or, or see anything. Everybody just backing off. People just running straight up the field. I, that's why they scored so many points in so little time. I'm like, both these coordinators need to be fired before the next game. And for the life of me, why I rush forward down line and like drop 10, nine right. players. Because you ain't getting no pass rush. I don't know who you got on your D-line, but they're not getting right. to the quarterback. <laughs> and you want him to hold on to the ball. The longer he was on the ball, the better. Right, but right. To, to say he was able to get down there 13 seconds 
and it shows to the value of saving your timeouts to the end of the game. Right. But the way he was able to get the team down in 13 seconds and Dak Prescott and, and Mike McCarthy couldn't get a, a quarterback sneak. Ran a quarterback draw. And then ran a quarterback draw. And then, right. And I'm still getting text messages from my Cowboys fans about friend, fan friends who are, are saying that how could they spot the ball? You know how they spot the ball? The damn timeout. That's how you spot the ball. Then uh, <laughs> what game was that? Oh, the Rams game. I got a text message about that. 40-yard pass. Why did the back judge spot the ball in the Rams game and the, the line judge or the uh, or the umpire or whoever it was had to spot the ball in the Cowboys game? I mean, on a long pass, the back judge, who's the furthest back, can spot the ball because he's the closest to the play. If you're running the ball up the middle, the back judge has got to continue to back up as the play comes towards him. So he's no longer going to come up. As, I mean, this is stupid conversations to have. It was poor clock management. Like you said, it's about the saving of the timeouts. It's about the plays that you call. Just own that loss, Cowboy fan. And for Dak to say, like, all the ref got to do is touch the ball. No, well, that's not true because you could just put the ball where you want. Like, I got to make sure the ball isn't. And you were going to be down in the ball at, like, the 40-yard line to throw a Hail Mary. Like, why are we acting like you were down in the ball to kick a, a surefire game-time field goal? Like, you was trying to throw a Hail Mary, bro. What are you talking about? That's like a 5% <laughs> chance that, that play is going to net in a catch, let alone a touchdown. And they couldn't complete a 30-yard pass in, in the first quarter from right. day 20, much less. Stop it. One like, let's stop it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, just the thoughts, not so much on the weekend, because we're going to talk about the, the conference championship games, but I want to talk specifically about Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady. There's a lot of speculation about both their futures, but first I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers, right? Again, uh, Green Bay was the number one seed. Again, they get bounced out early in a game that they were favored in at home, Um and he's been considered by many to be the greatest thrower of the ball, the greatest, the most talented quarterback to ever play in the NFL. He's three-time MVP, but he only has one Super Bowl. As we mentioned, there's multiple quarterbacks with one Super Bowl. And, and he's underachieved in terms of the level of his talent. And what's your thoughts on him? Do you think he returns to Green Bay? If not, do you think he retired from the NFL altogether? My thoughts on him is after I've heard his coronavirus anti-vax takes i no longer have any questions as to why this man uh has failed to get a second super bowl i no longer have questions as to why he does not have a relationship with his family um dude's an asshole like hearing him talk on these podcasts hearing him talk about president biden and the cdc and the stuff that he's taking um that joe rogan told him to take and then listening to Joe Rogan's take on the coronavirus and him being corrected by doctors and arguing with the doctors and the scientists, it's just laughable. Um, and when you see somebody with that level of blind arrogance, you no longer question why they may struggle to succeed in some situations when it seems like success wasn't the only option, but it was the likely outcome. And, right. and, and why this person may have bumped heads with coaches in the past regarding play calling and what best strategies were um, and then felt so comfortable talking about it, bumped heads with management about best players to sign. You know, he's pushing them to sign Randall Cobb and Randall Cobb, like nobody else in the league is trying to sign. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're, you're headstrong, but 
you lack intellect, wisdom, and discernment to go along with the fact that you're headstrong. And so I no longer question all of these things. You look at a guy, he may have the most arm talent in the league, and then you don't have to question any longer why um, he's in the situation he's in. And also, whenever you see a quarterback like that and you talk about the Tom Brady effect and people want to come play with him, I always kind of wondered why receivers weren't clamoring to come be that second or third receiver in Green Bay. And it's like, could management have really been that shitty that they were just not getting the receivers? Um, But you never really hear an interview where Donald Driver and Jordy Nelson and all these other guys are like, talking about Aaron Rodgers the way people who played with Tom play talk about Tom and I'm calling him by just his first name because that's how they all talk about him mind you he has the seven Super Bowls so that's one thing but there's also an awe around this dude and the way he treats people and the way he talks about people and once you kind of get to hear Aaron Rodgers get to talking you understand why the exit for Brett Favre wasn't comfortable and they didn't have the best relationship and all the other bad relationships on down the line. Um, and I hate to take his his personal take on the anti-vax situation and, and then extrapolate it into football, but he sounded so dumb in these last few series of, of, of interviews and conversations that it's not a hard stance for me to take. And I mean, you, you think about like uh, Greg Jennings, who's on FS1. That's the other person I was thinking about he, who doesn't seem to talk about him in a very positive to like, Dude was an asshole. He always yeah. moves to yeah, yeah. And he doesn't seem so to talk do positive about Greg Jennings because he quite clearly says that um, that uh, Devontae Adams is the best receiver he's ever played with. I'm like, man, that's kind of messed up. Like, he's had some some guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, so what's your thoughts? Do you think he plays again for Green Bay or, or, or does he retire altogether? I kind of feel like, and I hate, again, to bring the Vax thing in, but, again, to my Sean Payton point, you know, you either live long enough to, to or you either die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. I think in a series of one season or just a few weeks of one season, he's quite clearly become the villain. And I don't know if his self-awareness will kick in and he'll just say, like, what's the point of me coming back? I couldn't even win one play. Like I, my best chance was the year I lost to Tom in the championship game, late game, you know, late call penalty. Otherwise, that game was over. And then this year at home in bad weather, which is supposed to be my forte, got the bigger hands, the stronger arm. I'm supposed to be the one to make the passes in that scenario and could only put up 10 points at home as the one seed coming off of a bye. What else is there? You know what I mean? Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. Now you got Dylan on a rookie deal who should be able to run in the snow and you can only put up 10 points and your heir apparent is sitting on the bench just like when you were there. Um, Nobody's clamoring for him to take your job. But I think all the signs, I think all the signs point to him and Tom Brady hanging it up. That's my personal opinion. I, I would, if I had to put money on it, I say one of them is going to come back. I'm not sure which one. I think one of them is going to come back, but I don't think either one of them see the Super Bowl next year. I think this should be both of their last years. One of them might hang on a year too long. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, uh, what? I think Tom literally has nothing left. Aaron Rodgers is about 37. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Rodgers is about 37 or 38. I think he's got a lot left in the tank. And mm-hmm. I don't think I think he still has the talent to win another Super Bowl. And again, yeah. I don't think he wants to go down because it impacts your legacy, regardless of the MVPs. If you only retire with one Super Bowl, that, that's why it was such a big deal that Peyton got one with Denver, even though he wasn't the catalyst to winning it. But he still mm-hmm. has that second one, which puts you on a different pedestal. And I think 
if Aaron Rodgers wants to go down with the greats, you gotta win a second one. And I think see, I never thought Tom, I, I never thought Aaron Rodgers loved football enough to 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 make that move. That's why I think he hangs it up. Yeah, I, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who's that worried about his legacy. Mm. He might not be. He might, I, I just think for a guy with, with you know his talent, I think with his arrogance, I, I think he feels like he can win another one. He probably wants to win another one, um, or he, you know he falls outside of that top five of all-time quarterbacks. In my opinion. That's um, probably why Sean Payton man. retired. Sean Payton probably thought I'm gonna um, try to get. Aaron Rodgers in the offseason and hear his, his anti-vax takes and he's like, I don't want to coach this asshole. But I thought I thought Sean could have hung around and tried to make a play for Russell Wilson. But you know, our cap situation is so bad, there probably is no way that we could have made that happen anyway. Right, right. And uh and just wrapping up with this on, on Tom Brady, I think I think that's the end for Tom Brady because you will be 45 at the start of the next season. As a free agent. He'll be He'll be 45, and that Tampa Bay team is uh, Leonard Fournette is a free agent. Godwin is a free agent. Like, I don't know who's a free agent on the defensive side of the ball, but you once you win that Super Bowl, now I think Sue, I think Indominus Sue had come back only for like one additional year. Exactly. You got so many people on that one. team who all came and did Brady deals. Let's see if we can get yes. one. And and we, the Saints, gifted them that Super Bowl by right. effing up when we had home field advantage against them. And so, yeah, now now it's time to, to pay up, pay the piper. Right. Everybody everybody took the deal to try to, to run it back. You don't run it back. And so now it's, it's time to right. break it up. Right. And so I don't think Tom Brady comes back without a realistic shot of winning the Super Bowl. And so right. I, I think this is his last year. Yeah, I think he knows he solidified that legacy as the GOAT. If there was any question, if it was him or Bill, he went and got another one. And now you walk away and you leave Bill to figure out if he can get another one. Definitely. So let's end it by talking about these AFC NFC conference championships. Um, I've been betting a few games lately, last couple of weeks, and uh, I haven't won any. Got that new sports book. That Caesar's got some fire commercials, and my mom keeps hitting me up. She's like, all these gambling commercials on TV. I see Jamie Foxx, I see Holly Berry. I'm like, yo, yes. uh, Peyton and Eli and the daddy, like everybody's in these gambling sports books. I'm looking forward to getting up. I got the app, but it's not legal yet in Louisiana to do it online because I want, they got some prop bets. And we're going to talk a lot about prop bets before the Super Bowl like we did last year. But uh, I did put a $50 bet on uh, 18 to 1 odds for the Bengals to, to win the Super Bowl two weeks ago. Of course, of so course you did. I, that'd be a big hit. So, I, you know, I'm a little biased in, in how I'm looking at these games. But let's talk about the, the first uh, game, NFC Championship. San Francisco 49 is the underdogs um, who beat the Rams to get into the playoffs, burst in the Saints bubble. Uh, 49ers were down 17, nothing came back. A conversation uh, for another game. conversation for sure. another day. If the Rams win right. that game, does Sean Payton even retire? Do we still have a coach? Another reason to hate the damn Rams. That pass interference call robs us of a Super Bowl. Then they rob us of a chance to go. And 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 but that's what bothers me about Sean Payton because it's like you you played right into Roger Goodell's hands. You played right in the Rams fans' hands. You just gave up. But that's a whole nother story. All right, right. back to this game. Uh, you but spread it seven, right? San Francisco is no, it's three and a half. Three and a half. Sorry, that's all this. Los Angeles Rams, three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. Yeah. The three Rams better cover that damn spread. All that talent. I was talking to you about this earlier. Leonard Floyd. And, and, and Von Miller on the other side with Aaron Donald at the middle. You got the best cornerback in football, Jalen Ramsey, to lock down, uh, you know, the 
Debo Samuel, since that's the only receiver they have. Jimmy Garoppolo's not up to the big moments, and you're going to put that pass rush on his ass. Then you flip over to the other side. You then brought in the big arm, big hired gun in Matt Stafford. You walk in OBJ for like $750,000 in Bitcoin that apparently turned into $30, $35,000. And you got Cooper Cup, the triple crown went on the other side. You got three running backs in the backfield, Cam Maker, Sonny Michelle. If they don't cover this three and a half spread, I want to slap Sean McVay in the face. This man is potentially about to go to his second Super Bowl before the age of 40. I mean, you know, he, he's been gifted the keys to a Lamborghini. So I, I'm not a big fan of where the Rams have built this team. We talked a little bit earlier. You know, they've created the super team. Uh, they went and got OBJ. They went and got Vaughn Miller, uh, both in trades this year, to add to already stacked team. However, they are 0-6 in the last six games against the San Francisco 49ers. I've bet against the 49ers the last two weeks and fucked up my parlay both times. So <laughs> I am going with the San Francisco 49ers to win the game outright, not only cover, but to win. I'm going with the 49ers. For I think the weeks, worst nightmare of the NFL. Game. I think the worst nightmare for the NFL would be a 49ers Bengals Super Bowl. Oh, what? absolutely, absolutely. The funny thing is, you remember that Super Bowl back in the day, huh? Bengals 49ers, Icky Woods, Boomer Esiason played against Joe Montana, Roger Craig in the game. Joe Montana. Right. right. Yes, sir. And I I do think, for me, uh, needing the Bengals to win to win my money, the the best route to getting that championship is against the 49ers. The Rams, I think, are a bad matchup. But, uh, the, the 49ers are not afraid of the Rams. That's why, that's why I'm going with the 49ers. Cincinnati at Kansas City. Kansas City is a seven-point favorite. These two teams played less than a month ago, but it was in Cincinnati. Cincinnati won by, by uh, I think, six or seven points. Who you got here, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I watched that game when they played. I think we were probably all texting when that game was on. It wasn't uh, – mm-hmm. I, I wasn't super – I wasn't left with a super good taste in my mouth that this spread is a good spread. I think that Kansas City wins this game, but I don't think they win by seven. I think we might be talking about a field goal game. I mean, I think that the Bengals offense, like over the last nine weeks, has been one of the best in football. The Chiefs defense looked atrocious against the Buffalo Bills. I will say that a lot of that had to do with Josh Allen's ability to run the football. I mean, he was extending plays and plays where he should have been sacked, and he was – able to just run for first downs on design run plays. Joe Burrow got sacked nine times the week before, so I don't think he's going to be in a position to do what Josh <laughs> Allen did. But I still think that that's – and if if the Honey Badger isn't back, we're talking about, you know, Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd running free through that secondary. They got a, a, a competent tight end. You got good backs and mixing yeah. in, in, in P. Ryan. I, I'm not confident in a seven-point – Victory, I'm thinking more three or four point wins. So I'm going with the Chiefs to win, Bengals to cover. I, I can't disagree with you here. I just don't see how the Bengals go into Cincinnati uh, and be a team led by Patrick Mahomes that's been to the AFC Championship the last three years, been to the Super Bowl the last two years. Um, but I think the spread is kind of heavy. I think Cincinnati really believes, and I think they're going to play to the end. They don't quit. Uh, but that offensive line, uh, that Burrow sits behind and just they can't protect them enough. So I just don't know if they're going to be the score of the points. They'll need a uh, out of the score performance by the by the Cincinnati defense in order to win the game. And I just don't know that they'll be able to stop Mahomes to that extent. But I do think 
Cincinnati covers. I think they, they, they lose by less than seven. So I'm going with you there. Uh, I'm going KC to win, but Cincinnati to cover. Any um, party words for us? Any, any hot dates this week? Never, you know, the way I work, the amount of hours that I put on the job, I'm offended by you even asking me a question like that. Um, you know, I'm a working man. Yeah, yeah, you are working man. That's <laughs> <for sure. laughs> you are working man. Well, that's all we got. We're back better than ever, as, as the man Green would say. But we're gonna be back next week. We're not taking another four months off. All right, see y'all next week. Later. Get yourself. We still about to get us up. We still about to get us up. DJ rocking on the wheels of steel. Shout out to Jelly. Hey, Jelly, Jelly. Hey, y'all. Hey, hey, hey. Jelly, Jelly. I can see the stars all the way from here. Shout out to all the Leos out there. What's up, Leos? Hey, Kitty. Touch this green. Yeah. It's Leo season. Okay. Make sure that phone goes off. Oh, 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 oh,